Before Miami begins their Eastern Conference rematch with the Boston Celtics, we answer some of your questions about the best player in the East, Miami's rotations, if the Heat can earn the respect of the national media, and which version of Jimmy Butler will we see versus the Celtics. All that and more on today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. However you might be tuning in on YouTube, live with us right now on Tuesday morning on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use that Locked On NBA code for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Talking Heat Celtics, ESPN gives the Heat a 3% chance of winning the Eastern Conference Finals. FanDuel has the Heat at plus 390 to make the NBA Finals and plus 1500 to win the championship. For reference, the Celtics are minus 105 favorites to win the whole thing. The Nuggets, second most favorites at plus 230. The Lakers at plus 360. Again, the Heat, plus 1,500. Okay, we're talking about extreme long shots. According to FanDuel, extreme long shots, according to ESPN's analytic database, whatever. Are the Heat, David, being overlooked as legitimate title contenders? Absolutely. I mean, they're one of four teams left, so they've got a better chance than... The, whatever the numbers currently say. And, and, and I think a lot of these projections are based on what occurred during the regular season. As we pointed out, this version of the Heat that we've seen against the Bucks and New York Knicks is completely different from whatever we saw for 82 games, 84 games, if you include the two play in tournament games. So I understand why on paper you would say, oh, this is not a very good Heat team. Their record wasn't particularly good. But they didn't give Miami much of a chance last year after they had accomplished quite a bit during the regular season and were the number mm-hmm. one seed in the Eastern Conference. So I don't know if there's any kind of necessary bias. I, I I hate to get into the kind of conversation about, oh, national media disrespects Miami, although it just does feel like that's part of it. It's certainly a factor. I, I, I just... Miami doesn't win in a way that other teams do. They don't have an MVP candidate. They don't have an all-time historic great. They don't even have top-tier talent and and quote-unquote depth the way the Boston Celtics do. What do they have? They've got a bunch of undrafted players. They've got Jimmy Butler, and they've got Bam Adebayo, who does a lot of things that don't get picked up on the box score. And so when you're looking at what this group does and how they're built, it's really hard to quantify. It's hard for us. We've We've been – Curious to see what version of Miami we'd see in the playoffs because it, it's been hard to predict based on those 82 games. They, there was a team that lacked a sense of urgency, that didn't have a lot of good three-point shooting. They did against the Bucks, They did it against the Knicks. So it's hard to see in the future what version of this Miami Heat team will be there. So I can understand some of the skepticism. But to come up with some of the ludicrous explanations, reasons, excuses, like the weather, like – Giannis Antetokounmpo's injury, that's legitimate, but it's not like he missed a bunch of games. Uh, it, he missed one game, two two games, was it? And it cost Well, they lost all the games the he played. Yeah. So, played yeah, that's fair. That's exactly right. So, I, you know, there's a lot going on there, and it's it's you're never going to get any clear answer. I don't think there's this kind of hatred of Miami because by no, and large, I don't, I don't think it's a concern. It's not a Miami. Cons- 
it's not a concerted effort to put Miami down. Like, first of all, that doesn't make any sense for Las Vegas to do that. Their, their, <laughs> their motivation is not, hey, let's go hate on any particular team. Their motivation is let's make as much money as possible. So they're not going to let any weird nebulous kind of thing get in the way of that. Um, in terms of the projections, ESPN, like I said, has has the Heat as 3%, giving them the 3% chance to beat the I think Celtics. they went up to 4 I saw a tweet about 4% oh. chance. It's like, okay. Wow. Yeah. We're climbing. By the time Wednesday rolls around, they might be in a 5% chance. Of course. 538 gives the Heat a 9% chance of winning the finals. Um, they give the Celtics a 53% chance of winning the finals. The Nuggets, 28%. The Lakers, 9%. The same as the Miami Heat. Uh, and to your point, and it's a very good one, last year was the same thing. And I, I would get it. Like, hey, the Heat are the number eight seed. Why should they have a big chance? I get it. This is, we've never seen this before. And so I would understand why the chances would get less and less the further and further this team goes in the playoffs. Like, mathematically, it makes sense, even though you do respect what it is that they're doing in these playoffs based on what it is that they did in the regular season, which most of these projections are accounting for. Um, and you look at the regular season, the Heat had the, tw- they were 21st in net rating. Sure. They were bad. Like they were flat out a bad basketball team in the regular season based on net rating. Okay. J- literally just barely good enough to make the playoffs a quarter away from not making the playoffs. So that's the team we're talking about when we're considering the, pro- the, 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 the big portion of the sample size that these projections are taking into account. Boston, on the flip side, why are they such heavy favorites? 97, 96% favorites, um, according to ESPN, because they were first in net rating. So in this series, you have a team with home court advantage in the Boston Celtics, first in net rating, and the Heat in bottom 10 in net rating. The Heat, like by all accounts, tonight should be the most important night of the year for the Miami Heat because tonight's the NBA draft lottery. That's where the Heat, based on the net rating, belong. Not in the conference finals, and yet it is a testament to what it is that this team has been able to do in the playoffs that they are in the conference finals. Like uh, uh, on that same side when it comes to uh, net rating, Denver is sixth. Even the Lakers, who had a frustrating year, they're 16th in net rating. Okay, so five spots better than the Miami Heat in net rating. So I'm not mad at the projections. The projections are just numbers. ESPN isn't out here rigging the numbers. They don't care about that. Um, Although I do think it is good for a talking point. Can I piggyback on that? Go ahead. I I think not only is that a good thing to do, I think the Heat, thrive on that sort of doubt i think they love it I, and as much as players and coaches say no no we don't pay attention to that no, the Heat are noise. very open about paying attention to it they, yeah they they know it's there they they uh they they are aware of it and i think it fuels them let them doubt miami because that's exactly what drives them i think that's what's gotten jimmy butler to this point in his career he was a player who was a, a low draft pick who was, uh, you know, just basically a six-man early in his career. He had to earn everything that he's had and up to this point, and I think it fuels him to a great degree. So that's those slides, if anything, you guys should be happy about those. I'm talking to our viewers and listeners. Like, that, that's more fuel for them going into the series because I think even last well, year, it, the first it, seed, I yeah. think it provided some fuel as well. It did. That one was a little bit more strange because the Heat – uh, by right. net rating and all those things. And 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 it's they a were good – They were better. Like that – the reason – I don't understand why they were such – I think that was more Boston January 1st to the playoffs just having these insane net ratings, blowing out teams. I thought that was more of a reflection of the Celtics than right. it was a heat, the Heat, right? Like every – even against the Warriors in the finals, everybody was like Celtics have like a 60% chance because the numbers were just so out of whack in their favor, right? And obviously they did not end up winning the finals, but they made it there. So there is some truth to those numbers too. 
Um, the Vegas numbers I'm a little bit more surprised by because those right. aren't just raw, like let's grab these net ratings and uh, VORPs and blah, 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 and put them into a pot and see what happens. Vegas will take into account public opinion a lot. And I think that's the reason why you see the Lakers, who had a similar regular season, had to make it through the play, and they're the seventh seed, the Heat are the eighth seed. So we're not talking about a big gap, 16th in net rating versus Miami's 21st in net rating in the regular season. The Lakers are plus 360, so still third behind the Celtics and Nuggets as title favorites, but plus 360 versus plus 1,500 is an enormous difference. And what that is, yeah. David, is the public opinion. The Lakers are the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA, right? The public money usually shifts towards the Cowboys. It shifts towards the Packers. It shifts towards the Lakers. It does shift also towards the Celtics and the Warriors to a certain degree more recently. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that the Heat are this far uh, uh, underdogs, like this yeah. big of an underdog. When we're talking about the final four teams, the last four teams by definition should, like I'm not saying every team should have a 25% chance of winning the whole thing. Right. But to be this big of an underdog is a little surprising. And I do think it speaks to some of the – it's not the national media bias. I don't think that that's fair. But I do think it's the lack of national media attention. Because if you read any article or you're looking at the podcast or you're even watching the national games during the regular season, the Heat are not as represented as much as the Celtics or the Lakers. The Nuggets are not represented whatsoever either in a lot of these things. But they at least played – interesting teams in the playoffs or at least teams that the national media viewed as interesting in terms of the right. Warriors and now the Lakers. So they got a lot of attention in those matchups and they were great matchups. I'm not disparaging them. I, I think uh, it, not, not it, sorry, the, not the Warriors, the Suns, but yeah, yeah. But. I think it just goes to exactly what I said earlier though. It's also like the style of Miami and the roster composition. It's like, what do, what does Miami do? Well, again, you, you look at, you've got an MVP player in Jokic, You've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, very, very good, recognized historically good players. Love Jimmy Butler though, and that's yeah, what I don't that's understand. fine. But but that's just, but that's like again, that's part of that's a very niche part of the basketball. When we're talking about the projections. Market. The projections use those yeah. advanced stats, so it's a little. But there's also the ankle injury, so I think that balances out to a degree. Like you're not exactly sure. And look, we'll answer this later on in the show, but. Who's to say what version of Jimmy Butler we're going to see in the series? I, I just think if you look at what Miami has done in the playoffs and what their best attribute is, they try hard. They play very intensely. They don't they don't give up. They always find a way to come back. And every team in this uh, left in the playoffs has been blown out to a certain degree, except Miami. Like what there was a one game with against the Bucks, but that was a game completely two. yeah with the yeah. three point shooting. That was a, a very yep. atypical yep. aberration there. So I, I just you look at what Miami does, and they're almost in it in every game. The number of clutch games, they'll find a way, they'll hang around, they'll drag you through the mud. Like that style yeah. is so difficult to say. Oh, there's a, a an obvious strength there, and other than we'll we'll drag you down with us, and we'll find out at the end of the game after 48 minutes, we'll see who comes out on top. Like, I'm not a. I think it's such a good point. It, it's this. This team is so hard to kind of figure out to to yeah. define and and to really understand the reason for its success because it's also winning in different ways. It won in a very. It, it was Jimmy Butler playing in space with shooting, kind of like those uh, LeBron James Cavaliers teams in the first round against the Milwaukee Bucks, and then against the Knicks, they were just like, okay, we're going to be the Knicks, but just a better version of the Knicks, and then right. that's how they won that game. It couldn't it, with Jimmy Butler getting doubled and a lot more ball movement and that kind of stuff. So they, they also just play differently when they have to. Like, there's chameleon teams, so it's hard to define them. I am not going to disparage 
people for not understanding how to measure this team because you and I have had a hard time measuring this team and explaining how many right. interviews have we had? Hey, hey, David West, what's going on? How did they flip the switch? <laughs> what, what, why, why? And every time I'm like, I don't really know. I don't right. really know, but I just know what's happening. So yeah. I'm not, and to your point too, I think the Heat like this stuff. It's bulletin yeah. board material. It's a little bit extra motivation for a team that gets off on this kind of thing. So it's good for them. Spo made some interesting comments about coaches getting fired, and there's a bigger conversation to be had about where the Miami Heat fit in to the NBA landscape as a franchise. That's next. But first, David, tell the listeners about our next sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Flash deals, last-minute tickets, you will find them there. If you're in town for an event and then you just want to go see a show or, or catch a comedy act or even go to a sporting event, Game Time will help you. I love the feature where you can see exactly where you'll be sitting based on whatever tickets you select. And again, you don't ever have to worry about being price gouged or anything like that because they give you the best price available for those tickets. So download the Game Time app, create the account, an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms do apply. But again, create an account and redeem the code locked on NBA and you get 20 bucks off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day is we'll be back tomorrow with our crossover episode with Locked On Celtics to preview Wednesday night's mm. game one. We're going to get to some lightning round mailbag questions now. If you're watching live on YouTube, get your questions into the comments. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Uh, in the next segment, but we're going to talk about Eric Spolster now. Um, and this question from uh, yesterday's practice, Spo making some interesting comments about mm -hmm. coaches getting fired. David, I was there. He was asked about two rookie coaches being involved in the conference finals and Darvin Ham for the Lakers. And then obviously Joe Missoula for the Celtics and Eric Spolster basically said, I don't know how to answer that question in particular. And then just use that like as a launching off point to discuss his frustrations with experienced coaches getting fired. We have the sound. Uh, here it is. You know, how to answer that particular part of it. I, I've been thinking more about, you know, the, the great proven experienced coaches that have lost their jobs already. It just doesn't make sense, you know, to me. When you have a proven guy and then you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, start again without, like, revamping the whole culture and everything. It, it, it takes so much time to, and energy to restart something. Um, and I think that's you know, part of the reason why we've been able to reboot so many times over and over and over. Uh, we're not reinventing a new culture and then trying to teach everybody and then all of a sudden, two years later, it's gonna be somebody else doing the exact same thing. Uh, but particularly in a proven veteran, guys, uh, it's just been stunning. It really has been disturbing. So that was Eric Spolster talking about that. And he goes on to say how fortunate he feels uh, to be part of an organization that doesn't do things that way, that gives him chances, that lets him fail, right? Yeah. It hasn't always been conference finals for Eric Spolster and the Miami Heat. And so um, I, I found it fascinating. Obviously, Spo being bothered by Mike Budenholzer, uh, Monty Williams, Williams most Nick recently. Nurse. Yeah, Nick Nurse, and that was a little bit different with Toronto. It didn't really seem like Nick Nurse wanted to be here there, but still, the way they treated him, obviously, Nurse didn't feel so great about it. Um, what do you think about this whole thing, and and specifically how it is, why it is that the Miami Heat just don't do it that way? Because they see a long-term plan. 
because I think it aligns a lot with my own personal feelings on the, the course of the season. I know, I know you kind of somewhat mock me about, you know, not appreciating championships, but I think a more realistic view of every season, as much as championships are fun as a goal and they drive every player, most players, I should say, in the NBA, I also think that attaining them is next to impossible. So much has to break right. It's not a question of talent. A lot of it has to do with luck and playing the best basketball you can in May and early June as opposed to February and December. And look, Miami is right there also. So I, I think when you're looking at what the, the Heat do well, and one of the things they talk about all the time in regards to Heat culture, it's just a level of consistency, stability, that I can't say any other franchise has, maybe with the exception of the San Antonio Spurs. So there is, look, you look at the Spurs and their stability, certainly a big part of why they won five championships, but you look at what's happened you know, over the last couple of seasons, certainly a level of talent has to be there in order for you to continue to win and build yeah. to that stability. But the foundation is so important. And I remember talking to Solomon Hill in one of his first practices with the Heat after he joined the team. And he was just commenting. This was right before. Actually, I'm going back in time here. Right before uh, the pandemic hit and right, the season the got shut down. Yeah. yeah. And no, even before that, right before the pandemic itself, right. it was like uh, early February or something like that, right after the trade deadline. And and he was just talking about it. he just got here a weekend, and he was just like fascinated by how stable it is that there were people here who had been here for a decade plus and we're not talking just coaching staff we're talking front office executives we're talking pr yeah. people we're talking all across the board business ops there is a stability in this organization that you don't see and yet like the constitution at least in theory it remains flexible you add pieces you lose pieces you make changes you adjust but the stability is always a constant and it allows eric spolstra the freedom to tinker, to do things, to say, you know what? Maybe we screwed the pooch for 82 games, but if we turn it on for the next team, no, 16, no one's going to give a damn. That's, that's the, the key, reality. David. It, it's the freedom to experiment, the freedom to try things, the freedom to fail, mm -hmm. which is an underrated thing. I, Monty Williams is an awesome NBA coach. And did it work out with Phoenix this year? No. And he does deserve a, he does deserve blame for, for what it is after think, the Suns and the Mavericks uh, against the Mavericks last I, year. I think but, that's also part of having a new owner, though. Again, that oh, for same sure. stability. Like Matt Ishbia comes yes. in and he's yes. like, you know what? He wants I this guy, guy, the whole thing. Yeah, um, but he got eight games of Kevin Durant in the regular season. Of course, there was no continuity going into the playoffs for Monty Williams. And it is a, it's a shame because he's a good coach. He's going to be a good coach next year for some other franchise. And good luck and good for that next franchise. Um, I, there's three teams that I – three organizations I think of when I think about stability. And it might only be two after this summer, the Spurs, the Miami Heat, and then the Warriors, right? And those are the three longest tenured coaches in the NBA. Now, the Warriors thing could go a different direction depending on what happens with Bob Myers, blah, 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 this summer. Sure. Um, but uh, it's not a coincidence that over the last decade, 15 years or so, that those are the three teams with the most consistent success in the NBA. Right. Like, that's not a coincidence to me. Now, it could be a chicken or the egg thing. Is that success because they got those coaching hires right? They got those hires right and they have the right people in place. And these other teams are firing people who aren't good and not successful in order to find their version of SPO. Um, there is a certain degree to that. I'm not saying that coaches should not be fired. I just find it interesting that you don't give somebody like Monty Williams another chance. Hey, obviously you didn't have that opportunity to build chemistry and to figure out how it is that you want to play with Kevin Durant. Monty Williams is a very smart head coach. He is very capable, in other words, of fixing things and turning things around. 
Did he lose the locker room? Maybe there's other things that we don't know about. The DeAndre Ayton yeah. thing is another wrench, but you could just trade Ayton in the summer, and they're probably yeah. going to do that anyway, regardless of firing Monty Williams. So I just I, I find it interesting that the two coaches who coached in the 2021 finals are no longer don't have jobs right now. The Nick Nurse, who won a championship in 2019, does not have a job right now. Uh, I, I, I it is wild how quickly coaches are hired and fired. He has changed in to the make, NBA. Right? I guess, but you also see teams that have plenty of cap space, plenty of money firing their coaches too. Like it would be also it so I think it was such a good point by sense. Spo to say it is so much harder to reinvent the culture and reboot a team, right? And and there's and uh, I think that's a very key difference is that you want change, right? You want to change in how Spark. teams are play, how things happen, uh offensive systems, whatever. And so so often you see a coach leave and then come in and, and try to install his system. Yeah. But the culture is so important. And we have seen Spo shuffle and toggle through systems multiple times, not even season to season, sometimes within a season, yep. changing culture, uh, changing schemes. And he says it's because we already have the culture in place that we're able to be so nimble with our schemes and our strategies and our systems and all these other things. And we're able to use his word reboot. So I thought it was fascinating. Um, I do, I, 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 and it is a little frustrating as an NBA fan. Cause you know, I love the NBA and I would love, I love good coaches having good work. And, um, it's just frustrating to see franchises just sort of do the dumbest thing. Like it's just like, just keep a coach for more than two years. You don't even know if this is working yet, you know? And, and, and you see teams like the, like the Hornets and the Hawks and these teams just forever mediocre because they just you also have to give the coaches. public perception of of wanting to make change too because if not fans will be frustrated because like they were all and in. ownership giving into that right pat yeah, riley that, don't care how many right. times has spo been right. how many times have fans yeah, fire spo fired? this year this year they're I mean, in the eastern conference finals of people there's <laughs> fan bases that want steve kerr fired even greg popovich fired so i don't care about fan that that fraction of fans but to your point like if you're an owner and you let that 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 small but loud faction sleep into your thought process that is a problem and so it does say a lot about the heat that they don't allow that and they stick to their to their values like you said earlier um who is the best player in these eastern conference finals is there a historical comparison for this miami heat team we dive into that in our lightning round next but first david tell listeners about our sponsor today's episode is brought to you by prize picks and their million-dollar daily Superflex promotion every day of the NBA playoffs up to and including the finals, one prize picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. If you place an entry after 8 a.m. Eastern, it'll be randomly selected each day, and whoever places that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. You get six correct picks, you get a million dollars. Five, you get 80000 Four correct picks will get you a $16,000 payout. You can find full details over at prizepicks.com slash millions slash million singular excuse me you must opt in at the link to be eligible for the million dollar entry but once you opt in all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner and playing the game has never been easier when you want to play daily fantasy sports then prize picks is the option for you because it's just you versus the projected numbers you pick two to six players if they score more or less than those projections you can win up to 25 times your money and you can do it in every sport imaginable the nba major league baseball men's and women's college sports european sports disc golf you name it PrizePix has you covered. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users get a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks, but only if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. So if you deposit 100 bucks, 
Price picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, Price picks gives you 50 bucks back. So use the promo code locked on by downloading the Price picks app or going to pricepicks.com and signing up and playing daily fantasy sports. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day, we're going to be back tomorrow with our crossover episode with Locked On Celtics previewing Wednesday night's game one. Of course, we'll be back Wednesday night with a recap of game one immediately following the game. You can reach Locked On Heat on Twitter, Instagram, email us, lockedonheat at gmail.com. David, it's time for the lightning round. Let's do this as fast as we can, but we'll give That's you good okay. answers. Uh, Miami Heat UK writes in, who's the best player in the Eastern Conference? That's right, our friend Dan. Who's the best player in the Eastern Conference Finals? Let's answer this before uh, our friend John Corrales has a chance to weigh in. I can't uh, wait to hear Malcolm Brogdon is better than Jimmy Butler, so I'm looking forward (laughs) to that response. Sixth man of the year on a stacked team. What award did Jimmy win this year? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He barely made it. Was he an All-Star? Yeah, he was was All-NBA, second team. The All-NBA, whatever. Undeserved, I'm sure. Uh, Grant Williams in there, I guess, somehow. Uh, who's the best player in the Eastern Conference Finals? Was he finals? on second team with Jalen Brown? <laughs> he was, right? So he can't yeah. even say that Jalen Brown should have made second over there. Okay. Uh, best player in the Conference Finals. It's either Tatum or Jimmy Butler, I would imagine. I, I think it's Jimmy. I, I still think the consistency with which he's played uh, and the defense and the intensity and the effort and the leadership qualities – those are, are 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 questionable at this point, and I think it's like if there's a debate about the best player in the playoffs in general, it's either Jokic or Jimmy Butler. But in the Eastern Conference, it's Jimmy all the way. Like a ban, I'm sorry, a, Tatum has been just a little too inconsistent. There are games where he's shooting one of ten from the field and the for three point range, and then there's other games where he's shooting six of seven. So it's like that kind of consistency. I I think is a factor. Like the the ceiling is higher for Tatum, maybe. And, yes. and not really, considering the 56 points that Jimmy produced, but whatever. Let's assume that – let's say things are all equal, both players are healthy. The ceiling for Tatum is higher, but that's not what you're measuring. You're measuring the player oh, well, that comes in, produces daily, and right. I think that's that's Jimmy Butler. I, when you said ceiling, I thought you meant long-term ceiling. Like, I, oh, Jason Tatum has a, that? Okay, yeah, yeah, no. Jason Tatum has an opportunity to be one of the best, I don't know, six, seven guys in the NBA. He just has to sure. put it all together. But it was well said, man. Like the consistency part of it is my. Pro- I don't know what version of Jason Tatum I'm getting every night if I'm a Celtics fan, right? Yeah. Am I getting the three points through three quarters and then kind of okay. miraculously yeah. falls into 16 points in the fourth quarter in Game Six, or am I getting the 51 point masterpiece in Game Seven from? Like I have no idea what I'm getting from Jason Tatum. With Jimmy Butler, I just know that he's always going to make a positive impact. Always with Tatum, I don't like even with Butler. Sometimes it's like, is it gonna be 19 points and 11 assists, or is it gonna be 30 something points and four assists? Like, that's not really what I'm talking about in terms of not know. I always know I'm gonna get a positive impact from Jimmy Butler if he's being doubled, single teamed, scoring, facilitating. He's always gonna be defending, he's never turning the ball over, he's getting to the foul line. I always know I'm getting a positive impact from Jimmy Butler, and I don't always know I'm getting a positive impact from Jason Tatum. So I would take Jimmy Butler right now, no question, over Jason Tatum. But Jason Tatum is a very good player, and he's very capable of being the best player in this series or the best player in any game this series. He is that good. You can't disrespect him. But if you're giving me like a chance to draft players in for this series in the Eastern Conference, I'm starting with Jimmy Butler. Um, all right. Look, sure. I, I, how about I, I addendum to that question? Where does Bam rank in that theoretical Eastern Conference player draft? Uh, third or fourth, right? Over Brown? 
That's why I'm just curious. Again, prepping myself for our crossover episode. I mean, if away? no, if, if it's Corrales, we're we're taking Bam second. We're like, you know what? Bam actually is probably better than than Jason Tatum. Like defensively, yeah. He, yeah. no, Tatum's not doing anything. Um, next question comes from Evan, who writes in: Should Jimmy Butler take Michael Jordan's number next season? So for those who uh, don't understand this reference, Jimmy Butler on his Instagram page posted a video. I think it was last night, Monday night or something. Um, about the weekend, he had a, a pop up event. I think at a Lids or something. At Lids like in uh in South Beach, it was the Lids Big Face thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's at the store and he's being asked questions about his jersey number, and he said, "I'm never wearing number 21 again after the Chicago Bulls era because that's my Chicago Ooh, Bulls God. area. So I'm gonna yeah. let that be its own thing." Um, but then when he got to Miami, he was actually offered the number 23 by Pat Riley, and he declined. Right, Pat Riley offered to take Michael Jordan's number out of retirement, and Jimmy Butler declined. Obviously, took the number twenty-two. Should Jimmy take Jordan's number next season? Because we know that players could change their jersey numbers from season to season. LeBron's done it. Kobe has done it. Uh, Michael Jordan did it. Right from forty-five to twenty-three. So uh, I am going to stay here right now, and I'm going to say it is ridiculous that the Miami Heat have Michael Jordan's number retired. Nobody yeah. likes it. It's a dumb thing that they did when they first became a franchise and they wanted to establish some sort of homage to the history of the nba and whatever pay their dues pay their respects forget those respects forget those dues the miami heat are one of the most successful franchises in the nba you do not have to honor michael jordan in any uh official way whatsoever take that stupid bulls jersey out of the rafters bring it down and if anybody is going to crack the retirement of michael jordan's number in miami it ought to be jimmy butler Jimmy Butler should be wearing number 23 next season, David. I want this to happen. I am hoping it happens. Make it happen. Let's will this into existence. No. It's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. It's silly. I, 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 I think the the, uh, the homage is silly, but I think Jimmy switching numbers to 23 is silly, too. Like, at this point, he's he's 2-2. Two, two. He's, he's 22. He's he's That's it. This is it. This is his jersey number. He's he's so put they should that. just he's... leave it retired, or they should just unretire no, it. They should unretire it, and like, and, and in perfect heat fashion, it should be the next undrafted player that cracks the rotation that somehow gets twenty three. The next just Gabe it. Vincent, you know, just give it to Max Struess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, that's exactly what it should be. That's exactly he's from what Chicago. It be. He would love it. Yeah. Okay. It, I'm, I'm. You know what? That's even better. Just give it to Max Struess next year. Resign him, and then just give it. Give he's Max the next Struess. Michael Jordan here in <laughs> Miami. <laughs> Uh, Shay writes in, is there a good historical comparison for this heat team? Best I can come up with is the 2018, 2019 Raptors. Jimmy equals Kawhi. Gabe is Van Vliet. Larry is Larry. Bam is Siakam. Kevin Love is Marcus Saul. Can you guys think of a better one? I love this question. And it's actually something I've been thinking of so much so that I thought about the same exact comparison. I've been thinking about this maybe even for a couple of years now, dating back to last year's NBA playoff run. With the Heat, it kind of does feel like it. Like the closest recent comp would be those 2019 Raptors, because you have one player who just goes total next level in the playoffs: Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, uh, and then a uh, a supporting cast of either role players or very high end starters. In the case of like Bam, is a borderline All Star kind of guy. Siakam was sort of a border that that same thing in 2019. Um, veterans, guys like that. So I think it's a good comp. I'm, I'm I'm struggling to come up with another one, at least a recent team. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a team that won a championship, but I was kind of going through my mental Rolodex. I couldn't really think of one better than these those Raptors. No, I, I don't think there is. I, I think the the comparison a lot of people want to look at is the 2004 Pistons or at least that 
that kind of version of that particular team because they played defense at a high level and they didn't, you know, they didn't. They just score didn't have anybody like Jimmy. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, you know, Rip Hamilton was their best scorer, and, and he was questionable. He was not consistent. The three-point shot wasn't as much of a part of his repertoire or anybody's at that point in the NBA. So it's a it's a difficult one. But, you know, I, I like the, the Raptors comparison. But I also – I just want to – I want this team partly to win a championship to, to just to be able to be one of one. Because for them to be able to accomplish what they have so far and to put that – no asterisk this time around just to be able to go there and achieve something historic uh, and to be recognized as such. And, and I think that'll put everything else that we've gone that they've done up to this point in that same kind of context, too. Because, again, you're looking at a team that gets widely overlooked and yet they've been in the Eastern Conference finals three of the past four seasons. They're a good team. They are not necessarily a historically good team, but they've been a very good team in this era of basketball and a championship would cement that. And not only that, but just think 20, 30 years down the road. Oh, remember that, that 2023 heat team, you know, with Jimmy Butler, who was a good player, a hall of famer probably. And yet well, like you can't recall anything particularly great about what right. he did other than just, he was Jimmy Butler. To your point, and, it, it feels like now, if this is like, let's just hypothetically say this is the last run of Jimmy Butler to the Eastern conference finals with this heat team. All right. We would remember it not as the 2023 Miami heat or the 2020, it would be, hey, that 2019 to 2023 span where they just went to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the four years. The only right. year they didn't is when they had a 71 day, uh, day offseason, right? right? That was the only time they didn't go. Um, and they just, they effed everybody up. They got in the Celtics' heads. They got multiple coaches fired. They altered the landscape of the NBA without right. actually winning a championship if they don't, you know, if this is sort of the same thing as what happened last year. Um, if they do win the championship this year, I, I would be interested to see how the the 2019 Raptors won because, and I'm this is not an asterisk, this is not taking away the title. This happens every single season. Strange things happen in the playoffs that alter Injuries, who it is. Sure. But Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson getting hurt for the Warriors is the reason why the Raptors won in 2019. It's a big, I should say, a big reason why. Yeah. I don't know if something like that is going to happen this year, right? I don't know if, I mean, you could argue that Giannis getting hurt in the first round is already something that was a factor in these playoffs. Um, what happens in the NBA Finals? Who knows? But uh, if the Heat are able to win with or without injuries, if it's with the injuries, they're probably more comparable to that 2019 Raptors group. If they're able to win the championship this year without any major injury impacting them in this series or the next series, then yeah, then that's one of one. I mean, maybe the closest thing would be, unfortunately, Dirk's 2011 team, right? With the Dallas Mavericks. I don't recall that happening. Okay. What was that? Very good. Um Gilbert M writes in, do you think that we are going to get the Bucks version or the Knicks version of Jimmy against the Celtics? I think it's the Bucks version. I think he's healthier. And I think it, it you know what? I'm going to amend that answer. I think it's going to be an amalgamation of the two. One uh, that he's going to be a little bit more productive. It's not mending think, the answer. That's just not answering. No, I, I, cause I don't think it's going to be either. I, I think the Bucks version was okay. different than what we saw against the Knicks, but I so think it's going to be an amalgam of, an amalgam Jimmy of 3.0. the 3.0. Yeah. I think it's going to be a, a one that's more productive. I think his three-point shot is going to fall a little bit more. But I think it's also just, again, probably the mainstay. What I was most impressed with over the Knicks series was just his uh, uh, unbeatable will to win. Like that, I mean, he had bad games. He didn't have, not necessarily bad games. He didn't have games where he was dominating. And yet, if the game is close and it's just within a few minutes he never count out Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat because somehow he'll find a way. And it's infectious, and the rest of the team feeds off that, and I think it's going to carry over into the Boston series. 
Um, I'll be interested to see. It depends on whether or not the Celtics double team him or not, right? It, and and how early in the shot clock do they set? Double team, triple teams, it don't effing matter. No, Did I understand hear, man? that. I just it when I think about the difference between the Bucks Jimmy and the and the Knicks Jimmy is that when the Knicks were double teaming him, he became a facilitator. He still got a, a decent amount of points, but he became more of a playmaker. Where the Bucks did not double team him at all, and he was just playing in space around shooters, um, and and he was able to go out and get fifty six points. So the I think we're going to get a very impactful Jimmy Butler, no matter what. No doubt. I think it might, based on how the Celtics defended him over the last couple of years and what we've seen even in these playoffs, I think they're going to pack the paint. They're going to dare Jimmy and Bam to try to beat them in the paint, finish through contact, finish through bodies, and then and and really dare Miami shooters to beat them. But if the Heat shooters can get going the way that they got against Milwaukee and loosen up that cluttered paint a little bit more, that's going to free up Jimmy to get those big point totals too. So um, I'm, I'm, I don't know that we're going to get the Bucks version of Jimmy Butler averaging 36 points a game, but we should probably uh, see something more than what we saw against the Knicks who were so aggressive in, in double teaming Jimmy Butler. And I don't think the Celtics will be that aggressive. Frank writes in, who do you think will win in Lakers and Nuggets, David? Uh, I think it's Nuggets and six. That's uh, That was my pick on Lockdown NBA, which everybody should be downloading and listening to and subscribe to. So make sure you check that out with my co-host, Matt Moore. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, you know, I think Matt there's a lot of Nuggets too. He nuggets in seven. I was a little okay. surprised at that. I just think they win at home against the, uh, wait, it would no, be the Nuggets oh, or the home court. Oh, that's team. right. That's right. I, you see, I was I was off there, but yeah, the the home court advantage I think is a big factor. I think they close it out in six. I have no idea, man. I just don't see what like the depth of Dallas is being. I'm sorry, Denver is being so overlooked, uh, and I think they're a better. How deep sport. do you go? How do you, how deep do you think they go? They have like what seven or eight guys. It depends. They've got they've got Bruce Brown shouts. Um, I like Jeff Green. He's a good player. I don't know that he's a conference finals I'd say player. Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Baron Gordon. Those like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. Yeah, I know. It's not even about the bench, but I'm saying like, like the, oh. the better players. You got Jokic, who is the best player in the series, I think, and then you've yes. got better surrounding cast around him than you do around, mm-hmm. say, eight. The combination of AD and LeBron. It's no disrespect to what Davis and and LeBron have done. It's just I, I'm not a believer in Austin Reeves or, or, or Jared Vanderbilt. Like, I, I mean. They're fine players, but I don't think Dennis Schroeder. No, I, I hear you. Like the starting five. I mean, Denver had the best starting five in the NBA all season for a reason. They're the best starting five in the NBA. But, um, you know, it's you just, I think it's a tough matchup for Denver because of the Anthony Davis factor. Are you getting like world beating defensive master class guy like he was against the Golden State Warriors who he completely changed that series? against the Warriors, Anthony Davis did. Like, when you're talking about guys who can defend Jokic and you built one in a lab, it would look a lot like Anthony Davis, except without the glass ankles. Um, But, uh, or the glass body in general. Uh, But he's healthy right now, man. And and look, I'll never count out LeBron. I have no idea who I like in that series, man. I'm not going to make a pick. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, The Nuggets have home court advantage, so I'd probably lean that way, and I agree with you. I think they have the better player. I do like how much uh, depth they have. I like their mixed lineups a little bit more than the Lakers mixed lineups. But if you're getting that version of AD and if LeBron can just put four, he doesn't need seven of them. He just needs like three or four like vintage LeBron games. Because if the, if the Nuggets are susceptible anywhere, it's sort of their paint defense. And if LeBron is getting downhill and getting Jokic in foul trouble, 
I don't know. I, I'm fast. I'm so excited to watch that series. It starts tonight, Tuesday night after the lottery. So I'm really Same. excited for that. Same. Most excited you are for a conference finals both ways in a long time, right? I mean, this is, I mean, this is literally the Ooh. final four in the bubble, but the bubble was just, it was hard to get excited about anything in the bubble, but probably, um, probably right. Last year was uh, Dallas versus golden state. It kind of felt like that one. Everybody knew the warriors were going to beat the Mavericks. That wasn't that exciting of a matchup. Yeah. Um, this one is, I don't know, man. I again, FanDuel putting the heat. I like that. Plus I mentioned this on Lockdown NBA too. Like just the whole historical context of like the Lakers versus Nuggets. Like you've got these two great all-time players, and and then Jokic. It's such an important series for him because yeah. I think as much as basketball fans, like the niche fans, really appreciate what he does. Like the peripheral fan who's going to be turning into the series, and we're like, oh, I've heard that name before. They're going to see. A potentially legacy defining matchup with him. Point. You know, if, yeah, so it's going to be really, really interesting. So many storylines, so many things on the court. And then, yeah, eat Celtics, a brawl every there. game. I can't, yeah, it's going to be so much fun on both sides. I'm so excited, man. All right. It's Tuesday. Heat Nuggets got... in the finals. Heat Nuggets. There we go. It could be Heat Lakers again. That would no. be crazy. Heat that would be heat crazy. Um, Heat Nuggets would have its own story too. I mean, too bad. Sure. Uh, should they, if it is Heat Nuggets, should they re-sign Markeith Morris? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Assistant coach Markeith Morris. Assistant oh, coach. yeah, yeah. He just he just happened to trip up Jokic here as he was taking a free throw. <laughs> he lost the balance. Thanks again for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day, as we'll be back tomorrow with our crossover episode with Locked On Celtics previewing Wednesday night's game one with our uh, friend, John Corrales. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your podcast app. David, thanks for joining me. Yeah, you got it.